Good day and thanks so much for joining us. Today I'm joined by Chris Nasuti and Ashley Neal, both with Turning Point of Tampa. And we're going to dive in on an important topic that many of you out there can relate to, maybe because of a personal struggle or maybe because of a struggle that a loved one is going through. We're talking about addiction and many find themselves in that that dark space, especially in the midst of this pandemic. And I was just talking with Chris and Ashley about this because both of them have a personal connection to this. So I hope that this can help you in some form or fashion. We started off our offline conversation uh, with me just offering some congrats because each of you have been in recovery for some time now and and have remained clean for how how long there? I have been in long-term recovery for a little over 15 years. Good for you. Good for you. And And, Chris? uh, Five years for me. It was five years in May. Well, I'm sending cyber high fives to both of you. And you all have uh, been working with people who are struggling to get to where you are right now. And you've seen a lot of that of late. Uh, And Ashley, maybe you can expound on that. You guys have really been treating uh, more people who are seeking freedom from their, their, their addictions. Yes. So Turning Point of Tampa has actually been serving the Tampa Bay community since 1987. And we provide residential treatment. I think when COVID came onto the scene, um, I mean, I can speak for myself. I had a little bit of um, reluctance, I guess, uh, thinking about people who were going to be seeking treatment. Would people continue to seek treatment or were they going to use the pandemic as almost an excuse? Mm. Um, You know, sometimes with people that are seeking help for an addiction, you really have to strike when the iron is hot. If somebody speaks up and says that they are interested in getting help, then hopefully there's somebody there, you know, around them at the time to be able to jump in and facilitate that help. But there's the other side too, where people tend to look for a lot of excuses um, when it comes time to seek that help to actually not move forward. So I was in fear that the pandemic had, you know, given people another excuse to not seek help. But we've actually seen an uptick, I would say, in people reaching out for help. So you say you must strike when the iron is hot there, Ashley. So are there ebbs and flows of of moments of clarity that people kind of, you know, venture in and out of that desire to do better and be better? Yes, I would say addiction is really a lifelong struggle. Active addiction is a lifelong struggle for people prior to getting into sobriety. Um, You know, for me, it took some consequences, I would say, that uh, I didn't necessarily want to deal with any longer. And I think everybody has a different set of consequences or a different set of circumstances that kind of open their eyes to the need to seek help. You know, for me, I was relatively young. I was 25 years old. Um, I had been using drugs and alcohol to cope with some uh, childhood trauma. And I just kind of got to a place where I had really had enough of the emotional and spiritual pain. And I decided to ask for help. But, you know, I I know hundreds of other people in recovery and and they all have a different story of what led them to that place where they finally had had enough and were, you know, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Chris, is that what we call a breaking point? Rock bottom, if you will. That's kind of become cliche. 
yes and no. I mean, it, it is. That's like the foundation upon which we can rebuild a life, right? That's the, the rock bottom. But it's uh, kind of going back to your previous question to Ashley. It's kind of a confusing thing because there is this experience, a cyclical experience where, okay, like in both Ashley and ours, in my cases, I'm drinking or using drugs to cope with a certain feeling that I cannot control, right? And that alcohol or those drugs become a solution. And it kind of like, it's manageable for a while where it kind of it numbs the pain, right? You're just kind of running away from it. And then that is no longer really working as it did initially. And now the drugs and alcohol are causing me problems. Like in my case, I'm getting arrested. I'm, my family doesn't want me around anymore. I can't sustain employment. So this cycle of, I need this thing, it's killing me and it's destroying me, but I cannot get out. And I mean, I think it's a really good point of like the, you mentioned moment of clarity or, you know, the rock bottom, there's just, there has to be a moment of surrender. I, that's my personal belief of like, this cannot go on anymore and I have to do something. But speaking to that point, knowing that say, you know, hypothetically, I'm going into residential treatment. I now know that my solution is going to be gone and I have to face all of these demons that I've been medicating myself for, for so long. And it's a really scary, you know, you just don't know. You, I didn't know what I didn't know when I came to treatment here at Turning Point. You know, I often hear folks who are recovering from addiction say that you need a support system. That goes without saying, even for folks who are not in the throes of addiction, everyone needs a support system. The problem is when one is addicted to something, they tend to alienate the loved ones who are there to support them. So that becomes cyclical, does it not? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a disease of isolation, right? It's solitary. It's just me and this substance and everything else takes second or third place and it doesn't even matter anymore. You know, I think um, that's a really great point. And, and a solution to that for me has become, you know, for many, many years, over a decade, I was not as open with my recovery as I am now. But I think it takes people like myself and Chris and, you know, the millions of other people that are in recovery in the in America to kind of recover out loud so that everybody can hear the message that it's okay and there is a solution because when you are in that place of isolation you're not necessarily telling people what's going on with you but if you just so happen to get on social media or you're on the internet or you happen to talk to another friend that has another friend who's in recovery as long as the message is getting out somehow i believe that eventually everybody will hear it Recovering out loud. That's profound, Chris. What do you make of that? I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, I, I had an experience not too long ago. Um, I, I went home to visit and I ran into an old friend and he's got some sobriety now. Like he, and he was saying, you know, he said, like, I really appreciate you being out, you know, that you have shared vulnerably and honestly about the struggles that you went through. Um, you know, and it's, I'm not one to try to paint a pretty picture that getting sober or staying sober is all blue skies and butterflies and rainbows and unicorns. It's hard work, you know, to address that stuff that Ashley and I both touched on. 
but the beauty of it is that it provides a life beyond what I could have ever imagined. And if my message, even through, say, this podcast, this interaction with you, can touch one person, then that that's what this is all about. Like, that's what we do personally. That's what we do professionally. Like, sure, I'll be the one and I'm okay with it. And I think it's like, you know, it's a beautiful thing. I've had a lot of positive feedback of people that, you know, a friend or a cousin or a wife or whomever, you know, is either struggling or sober now. And, you know, like maybe if I can touch one or two people, then, then my work really kind of is done. You know, Chris, that's the perfect segue in terms of recovering out loud. And you mentioned the podcast because you all with Turning Point of Tampa have a podcast and you're 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 very blunt about what's going on personally, professionally and what people must do or at least what has worked for you. and, And for that matter, what has not worked for you? Yeah, I can share a little bit of my experience with that. You know, I grew up in a very small town, a very rural area. And whereabouts? uh, Polk County. Okay. So everybody kind of knows everybody. And I spent, um, you know, my formative years there. And then I also went to college there. And then after college and after getting into recovery, I went back into that community and worked there for many years. And, and, Looking back, I can definitely say that I was a leader in the community and that part of me, that recovery piece was something that I really kept under wraps, except for with a couple close people, because I was afraid of the stigma of not people saying, how awesome is that that you're in recovery, but like, oh, you used to have a drug problem. Oh, you used to use alcohol to cope. That was what I was afraid of. And I lived in fear for a long time that people knowing that it was going to change my ability to get a great job, you know, move forward professionally, have any type of leadership opportunities. But once I came to Tampa in 2012 and then came back to work at Turning Point of Tampa, it gave me this sense of almost like liberation that I was able to just be who I was and talk about being in recovery and talk about addiction and eating disorders and mental health issues and just all the things that had affected me that I was now recovering from. And having this platform on the podcast was uh, very freeing as well. I was the first person to be a guest on the podcast. I told my story per se, and I, I had a lot of uh, trepidation about that, but I think it went over pretty well. And, and I've had several, several people reach out to me since listening to it to say, you know, I never knew that about you or, oh, my gosh, I'm so proud of you. Or, hey, my family member is struggling. You know, I, I know that you know them or you can relate to them. Can you please help me? So it's been very rewarding. What type of uh, struggles are people discussing uh, when they come to turning point, especially right now in the in the middle of a pandemic, because I don't want you to mention these bullet points so people can shake their head in shame, but so that people can say, "Okay, I feel seen. Me too. I'm there as well, and I'm struggling with this." So we know about alcoholism, substance abuse. What 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 else are people dealing with? Well, here at Turning Point, we treat eating disorders as well, which is just you know more often a manifestation of the underlying trauma or you know any you know like the control issues. And then we, I feel like I'm proud to say that from you know the the Point is Recovery podcast, we kind of 
touched on a very broad spectrum of guests and topics. You know, like Ashley shared that uh, the first couple episodes are our story. What happened, what it was like, you know, how we're sober now, what we do. We've had former professional athletes on. We've had therapists on. We've had our, you know, psychiatrists on. We've had our CEO. And each one of them discussed sort of like a niche of whether it's causal or what recovery looks like or the struggles that they went through. We did, you know, our medical director, Dr. Hardeep Singh, touched on how COVID has affected the uptake of substance use, how mental health professionals need their own mental health treatment to deal with the stresses of COVID. We've dealt with, you know, do I drink because I'm depressed? Am I depressed because I drink? You know, we've dealt with, uh, you know, I mean, anything that you can really imagine along the spectrum of substance use, recovery, what it looks like, we try to have those guests on. You know, we've had simply people that are just sober in the, in the rooms, you know, anything and, and everything in between. But, you know, there's something to be said, you know, specifically about, we kind of touched on it earlier, like in this pandemic setting, you know, the isolation. Now, if say, hypothetically, I was an active alcoholic or drug addict and I got laid off and now I'm getting more money than I was getting or the same amount of money. I don't have to go to work. Like, what do you think is going to happen? What is going to come of that? Yeah. All day, every day, right? That's and, it's an enabler, right? Absolutely. You know, and it's, and, you know, I don't begrudge or I have no like political opinion about really any of it, but it's from a recovering or, you know, substance use disorder perspective, it can be really, really scary. You know, for me at the end, when I could barely scrape together $20, that would have been a dream. Like if I just had enough money to get through the week, I'm good to go. You know what I mean? So it, it's kind of scary, but we touched on that. We touched on pretty much anything I feel like that could in, or does involve treatment or recovery or substance use or causes. I feel like we do a pretty good job of touching on each, on each topic. We don't always crunch numbers because people like really don't connect with that in terms of, uh, you know, it's it's the humanizing a situation versus putting numbers out there. But is there a, a rough percentage that you all could attach to how many uh, people you're seeing now versus prior to the pandemic? You know, the good old days, pre-pandemic day, <laughs> <laughs> back when we could do these conversations in person on a regular basis. <laughs> I don't know that there's really a, a number that we can put on it. I can definitely tell you that there has been an increase in people seeking help. The eye okay. test tells you that right there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, the fact that we have had to go onto a wait in several of our programs mm. because we just don't have the capacity in our program and hearing that out of other programs as well shows me that more people are reaching out for help, which is a great thing. Ashley, how long did it take before you no longer recognize the lady looking back in the mirror? Huh. <laughs> That's a great question. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Man. You know, I went to treatment for 63 days and went back home and kind of dove in and, and started uh, back working in the community. And I was building a support network all of that time as well. And the, one of the great things about a support network is that 
those people can kind of see you coming before you see yourself. So having that group of people, men and women who were getting to know me that were also saying like, Hey, I'm seeing this change in you. I was able to see it in myself because somebody else pointed it out. There's kind of a saying with people in recovery that, you know, we need other people to be our eyes and ears. And I think eventually other people's eyes and ears became my own. I can't tell you when that happened, but it has definitely happened. The, The fact that I can get on here and speak to you and as we've said before, recover out loud is a huge difference in the person that I was before I got into recovery. Very ashamed, very guilty. Yeah. Um, I don't have those feelings anymore. And Chris, as you were slipping into darkness, did you even know it? Oh, I knew it for sure. I just didn't know that there was a way out. Um, and like, again, the, the thing that was killing me, literally, you know, that's not a, an exaggeration, was, uh, was also giving me a very short reprieve of, of the pain that I was feeling. And, uh, you know, it's funny on the question that you, that you just asked of noticing it's re it's weird, you know, it's strange being the recovering person, you know, like, like Ashley touched on people see the change in you long before you do. And I remember, um, when I came down here before I went to turning point, before I went to treatment, my sister met me, she took a red eye and uh, we were in a hotel room before I went to treatment and she locked everything that she had with her from California in the safe. her purse, her computer, her key car keys. And I'll never forget. I was like maybe five or six months sober. Uh, I did. I was in here for 60 days as well. And she was going back. She was out of town. She ended up moving to Florida here and she gave me the keys to her house to watch her dog, which is like, you know, her most, precious possession on the on the face of the earth right and it was like a a real aha moment of like whoa (laughs) i mean it was it took me immediately back to that hotel room sick broken you know i we hadn't spoken in two years and then for her to trust me enough to give me the keys that was a real like wow like something must be working that she noticed enough that she trusts me that much do you recall who put that struggle initially in your hands when you first started on that path? I mean, do I take accountability for my substance use? I like how you answered that. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Absolutely. I was the first one to pick up a drink. I was the first one to pick up a drug. I mean, I feel like there's a a genetic predisposition. It's definitely in my family. Um, But absolutely. Like I can't, that's one of the things about being sober Um, and, and being clean and sober is like the blame game is no longer right. Mm-hmm. I am responsible and accountable for my own actions, my own behaviors, the way that I react to people. So yes, was there trauma? Yes. Does that justify or give me the right to then blow every opportunity that I was afforded or to drink and use drugs the way that I did? Absolutely not. You know, so it's a very, it's like a cumulative approach of, you know, I have to look within, but I also have to find some forgiveness for myself and others. But You know, I'm responsible for me. You know, Chris, this, I must say, um, in the most complimentary way, as I have uh, grappled with loved ones addiction and and what you and Ashley as well are saying, it doesn't feel like lip service. 
Because being on the outside, but still being on the inside of a loved one's addiction with them, you didn't choose this, but they drag you along for this ride anyway. And there are a lot of detours, a lot of potholes. It's a turbulent ride. And you're just hoping that they say the right things. And then they figure out that you hope that they say the right things. And so they say what you want to hear. And then you know they're just saying what you want to hear. And it's it's very hollow because you're just like, okay, when is it going to happen? When is this relapse going to Has it already happened? And nothing feels real anymore. That's true. Do you ever regain those relationships that were severed? And then this is for both of you. Uh, and Chris, you can go first. Do you ever regain the connection? I mean, you talked about with your sister, but there are other people that you you cross paths with over uh, that time period as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably the biggest blessing that happens when we get sober is I've regained all of them. I mean, that's the truth. Wow. That is, you know, part of the process of getting sober. There are a lot of... You, you know, have been blessed, my friend. Uh, very blessed. You know, we, we have to make amends. That's part of, you know, like that's part of getting sober and clean and owning things. And there's not been one person that like held me to the fire to for the sins that I committed when I was active. You yeah. know, there's something to be said about they understood that that wasn't the real me. And yeah, I mean, my brother, my sister, my aunt, they all live down here. My cousins, I'm going back up to Philadelphia in a couple of weeks to go to my cousin's wedding. You know, like I just, I mean, like the blessings are just so, so numerable that I wake up sometimes and I'm, it's unbelievable that this is my life. And that's really like genuinely how I feel. Ashley, the folks at home listening on online or whatever, they can't see you right now, but you don't have an open mouth smile, but you have what I would describe as a, a proud smile going right yeah. now. Why is that? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about, uh, you know, I, I think I kept my addiction kind of secret from a lot of my close friends and didn't really realize how much I was isolating until after I had already got into recovery and um, was thinking about how many people really didn't know. And um, when they found out how supported I felt when I went to treatment, we were allowed to have this um, cork board in our room and I, it was filled. I would get a card every day from one of my friends and from my mom. And, but I knew that there were some relationships that I definitely had severed during my addiction. Now, fast forward several years, um, I got a message on LinkedIn from this gentleman that I used to work with, who was one of those people that I had severed a relationship with. Um, He and I worked very closely. We became very good friends. And he saw my addiction taking place in the workplace and how it was affecting other people. And he, he he told me about myself and uh, severed the relationship. So years later, I get this message on LinkedIn and he actually had seen some of my posts about being in recovery and he now had an employee that needed help mm. that was struggling to get sober. And I helped this person as much as I could. And then I actually went and saw him in person and we, I had the opportunity to make amends to him for, you know, all the things that I had done in my addiction whenever we worked together. And, and now we talk quite frequently. So that, that, that was one of the brighter points in the making amends process. 
Do you trust yourself now, Ashley? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I might I might think things to death. <laughs> but you before, overanalyze now, huh? Yeah. But before there was no, you know, thinking. It was just a lot of like spontaneity and not thinking about consequences, not playing the tape through, you know, what what's gonna do I wanna I can do anything that I want in recovery as long as I'm willing to accept the consequences. And now I consider the consequences because there are some things I just, I don't want those consequences anymore. How about you, Chris? You trust yourself? I do. As long as I'm proactive about the work that I need to do to stay sober, I, I trust myself, right? As long as I'm involved, part of the community, you know, accountable to other people, you know, praying, meditating, things that like I like are really the most important things to me for my recovery, then yes, absolutely, for sure. Are you all parents? I am a dad, a stepdad and a dad, yes. Yes. How about, how about you, Ashley? Yes, stepmom. Stepma. Yep. Mama's back though, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a 10-year-old a, a stepdaughter. And I have been in her life since she was born and she has had, you know, the fortune of never having to see me in active addiction, which is a blessing. Does this strip away judgment? Because I've, I've come across some folks who uh, may have been struggling with addiction and, and through one of the later iterations of their recovery, it appeared as though they were uh, judgmental. And I didn't know if that was a coping mechanism because maybe they hadn't completely worked this out of their, their minds. Right. Um, but with the two of you um, and the course of our conversation, it seems as though you, you don't cast judgment on, on folks because you know how low life can take you if you let it. Right. I would say that uh, I definitely have done a lot of work on being judgmental. Uh, probably because it was pointed out to me by somebody in my support network. Oh, it was. Right. But I think that it's now more for me, um, no judgment, but sometimes I do have feelings of exasperation uh, when I, you know, come across somebody who has said that they want to get sober and, you know, I give them a bunch of suggestions and it, it seems like they go the exact opposite way. Uh, and then they come back again and they need more suggestions. So I give them different suggestions and then they go the opposite way. So I, I think it's more of exasperation of like, man, I really want to help this person. This person seems like they want help. It's never a place of judgment. It's, it's almost like a, and I, I, a realization that you can't help everybody at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris, you all kind of alluded to this. The pandemic is here. We don't have answers right now uh, in terms of how long we're going to be in this storm. Um, we can only hope that folks do the right things and remain safe. But this this does not have to be a stumbling block. This being the pandemic and it being coupled with addiction. No, most, most certainly. Uh, Ashley kind of touches on this. She did a really good job of explaining it um, on on the podcast of we've all been thrown into this thing that no one's ever been in before, you know, like for people like Ashley and I, we get real comfortable in a routine, right? You know, for example, I attend a meeting every Friday night. It's the same meeting. It's the same people, you know, I feel very comfortable in that setting, but when that happens right now, we have to change everything, whether we're quarantined or, 
the clubhouse shuts down so you can't go to meeting it's like it also doesn't give me the right like like i previously said to then go undo all the work that i you know i don't i feel like alcoholics and addicts are pretty resourceful you know you wake (laughs) up with no money and like i find a way to drink and use drugs throughout the day and if you approach that your if if i can approach that my recovery the same way then there's a way, right? We started doing Zoom meetings, you know, whatever that looks like. It's just, you know, the exasperation piece, piece that Ashley just touched on. It's like, if you want to use that as an excuse, you can. Like, what, what, what happened? You relapsed. Oh, well, it's the pandemic. I, okay. But I also know, you know, 100 and 200 people whose names are in my phone that didn't relapse over the pandemic, right? There's like, it's that personal accountability that I lacked my whole life that like, you know, through introspection and service to other people of like, this is, there's the one thing, you know, you asked about fatherhood. I'm not a father. If I'm an, if I'm active in addiction, I'm not a friend. I'm not a brother. I'm not an employee. I am nothing. And I'm like a low bottom alcoholic drug addict case. So I know that about myself. So I I can use that or I can use that as a motivating factor. You go one up to you. Yeah, and I think something else I would add, too, about the pandemic is, you know, at Turning Point of Tampa, we have so many precautions in place. So the concern about COVID really doesn't need to be a concern for the person who is seeking help for their addiction. We have medical professionals on our staff who are ready to deal with those concerns but we also have an entire clinical staff that is ready to deal with the addiction concerns. So we got it covered. It. We got you know, it covered. She said, we got you. We got yeah. you. And we're taking those excuses and putting them in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, we, we've said it time and again, Turning Point of Tampa. That's where folks can turn to get some help. How do they reach you all? They can call us at 813-882-3003. Or they can also go on our website, which is www.tpoftampa.com. And you can also find us on social media. We're very active on there. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. See, see, y'all, y'all, y'all are not leaving anything out there for people no. to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no stone unturned. No. You didn't say anything about MySpace. I don't even know if there's MySpace. <laughs> and, and where can we find your podcast? Because folks definitely want to check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're on pretty much every platform. Uh, but if you go to our website at, uh, like Ashley mentioned, there's a link there about Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iHeartAmerica. Wherever you get your podcast. Amazon Music. Yes, wherever you get your podcast. What is it called again? What is the podcast called? The Point is Recovery Podcast. Well, to Chris Nasuti and Ashley Neal, I cannot thank you all enough for your time and so glad to hear about your your recovery. And I know that this is going to help some folks out there Meantime, y'all be safe at home. And until next time, have a good one.